sermon I'm preaching tonight uh, is, is really birthed out of five or so years of a passion for this topic and about 12 hours of intense, passionate study over the last week on this topic. Um, I discovered this topic as I was interning for a church in 2016. And uh, been hit and miss with it ever since, but over the last three years or so, I've been, been really consistent. And if there's one thing, I would say for the first ten years of my Christian life, I saw no growth. First ten years. When I started implementing Bible meditation into my life, things started to change. Um, There's so many texts in the Bible that I could preach to you tonight that would be great and lovely and wonderful and would really be a help. But if there's one thing, like if this, would, if this was my last sermon to ever preach, this is the text I would preach and this is the topic I would preach from. I, I think this, this topic alone, if you can grab it, will change your Christian life forever. Amen. Why? Because your Christian life is only as strong as your relationship with the Word of God is. How can I say that? Well, you get to know God through the Bible and nowhere else. So tonight, my title is Meditate and Meditate and Meditate. Meditate and Meditate and Meditate. I get that from a quote by Charles Spurgeon. The quote reads this, read the Bible carefully and then meditate and meditate and meditate. Someone once said that one in 100 Christians read scripture on a regular daily basis. One in 1,000 memorize scripture, but only one in 10,000 meditate on scripture. That's a staggering statement, but I believe that statement holds weight. We don't know how to meditate today. There is a gulf fixed between us and our ability to meditate, truly stop, pause, and meditate on the truth of Scripture. And as Pastor Tyler mentioned, our burden as a pastoral staff is that this family of believers... This covenant family here at Fellowship Baptist Church wouldn't just be a praise people. You just heard we do that well here. We love worship here. Our burden isn't that our church would be a giving people only or a loving people only or a people who loves and appreciates expository preaching, though we do. Our burden is is that our people, the members of Fellowship Baptist Church, would be a Bible people. A people who are absolutely saturated in the scriptures as a result of their own personal intake of scripture. So how do we become this? We become this through the Bible's own prescribed method of being a people of the scriptures. Bible meditation. Bible meditation. Tonight I'm not calling on you to read the Bible only. I'm not calling on you to study the Bible only. Tonight, I am calling on you, church, to meditate 
on Scripture. In 2023, we are not calling you to read a devotional. We are calling you, we, we, we aren't even calling you to read the whole Bible. We're calling on you to build your life on this wonderful habit of grace, of meditating your way through. Meditating your way through the Scriptures. People read the whole Bible once a year, every year, and they never change. But the people who meditate through the scriptures, you better believe they change. So if you're a New Year's resolution person or not, let's make this resolution together tonight. That we are going to resolve to be people of the scriptures. This evening, Psalm 1 is going to guide us into how we can do that in 2023 and for the rest of our pilgrimage here on earth. You see, Psalm 1 is, is not just going to give us a vision of how to be Bible people for next year, but for the rest of our lives. So I'm going to begin by quoting Psalm 1 to you, if the Lord permits. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor sitteth in the seat, or standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of scorners. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither. And whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The ungodly are not so. They're like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the congregation of sinners. Or not stand in the judgment rather nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. Why? For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous. But the way of the ungodly shall perish. We could talk about the blessed person tonight. We could talk about the things they avoid tonight. But I'm going to leave that to another sermon. We're going to allow tonight's main objective to be understanding and applying biblical meditation for this upcoming year. Number one, the blessed person delights in Scripture. I remember trying to read the Bible before I began following Jesus. And I remember how miserable that was for me. I've always been able to keep my attention in a movie or a TV show or a game or a video game. But I remember trying to read the Bible in high school and just how miserable that experience was for me. But then I started following Jesus. And then I began to delight to read and study and Meditate in his word. So our first point is the blessed person's delight is scripture. What in the world does it mean to delight in something? Well, when you delight in something, it means you have joy in something. It means you have pleasure in something. What we delight in is what we find joy in. What we delight in is what we have pleasure in. What we delight in is what we get excited about. You see, God created us. With the capacity to find joy in things, did he not? Here's a few things I delight in. I delight in 
my wife. Proverbs says to delight in the wife of your youth. And I am a blessed man to say that my best friend is my spouse. I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for that. I delight in my relationship with her. I delight in my kids. Nothing brings more joy to my heart than, than hearing those footsteps coming out of the bedroom in the morning after having not seen them for several hours. Delight in them. I delight in my occupation. As a pastor at Fellowship Baptist Church, I still have to pinch myself at times. It's a joy to be here. I love this church. I love the youth. I love my fellow pastoral staff members. I even love my boss. Not very many people can say that. I love being here. I delight in it. There's never been one day at Fellowship Baptist Church where I dreaded coming into the office. I delight in being here. On a more superficial level, I delight in my morning coffee. When I walk out of that room into that dark living room and I see that espresso machine shining like a beacon in the night or that kettle where I'll pour water into to make my pour over shining like a beacon in the night, coffee brings joy to my heart. I love good food. I overeat constantly. I eat more sugar than I should. I eat more carbs than I should. And my poor kids are getting those terrible traits from me. But I love food. I delight in food. It brings me happiness. All of us have things we delight and find joy in, don't we? What does the blessed person find delight in? The blessed person from Psalm 1's supreme delight, get this, is in the law of the Lord. Hold up. What? Yeah, I get it. You delight in your wife, you delight in your kids, you delight in your job, you delight in coffee. That's all good and fine. But you're telling me this guy delights in the law of the Lord? The law is God's instruction. That's literally what law means here. Whether that's a single verse or the scriptures as a whole, the blessed man finds his delight in the scriptures, in the law of the Lord. Spurgeon said this. The true Christian has his holy delights. And chief among them is his reveling in the law of the Lord, the word of God. Of course, David had not a fourth of what we possess. It was a very little Bible then. But it has gone on increasing like a majestic river until it is the wondrous volume we have now. We, therefore, should take ten times more delight in it than the psalmist did. In his sermon on this passage, Spurgeon gives us six reasons. I'm going to tell them to you. We delight in the law of the Lord, number one, because of its antiquity. Not because it's an old book, but because it stood the test of time. No book has stood the test of time like the Bible. Number two, because of the justice of it. Spurgeon said, there is a law revealed in it. If perfectly carried out, no man would hurt his neighbor, but love him as he loves himself. No rank or class would press heavily upon another and each would remember, consider and try to bless the other. There is justice in this book. Number three. Because of the lofty wisdom found in it. You can read science textbooks. You can read self-help books. You can read 
math books, don't know why you would do that. You can read all sorts of books that you want to, but you will never find wisdom like the wisdom you find in this book right here. Number four, because it's true. Fiction, Spurgeon said, may be read or not as men's tastes may direct. But it is of infinite value to have a book in which every word stands fast. When like a dream, heaven and earth shall have melted away. Number five, because it's pleasant. The Bible, pleasant, trust me, it's pleasant. Psalm 19 says, 10 says, more to be desired, the law of the Lord, more to be desired are they than gold. Huh? Yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. That's referring to the Bible. In all of my days of tasting and seeing that the Lord is good, you know where I did that tasting and seeing? Right here. Right here. Where else do I find gospel truth for my wretched soul? Where do I find promises of an eternal dwelling with my God other than the Bible? Where else do I find encouragement with a promise when my circumstances are bleak? Where else but the Bible? Number six, because it's profitable. This book enriches with the best of wealth and stored up treasures for all eternity. And then we're going to finish this section before we move in on how to meditate with another quote from Spurgeon. Spurgeon says, do you delight in this book? Not do you read it, but do you read it with delight? To go to it dragged there by duty is miserably to miss its best messages. And is no evidence of true godliness. But to put a sentence of it under the tongue as a sweet morsel. To grow healthy upon it when you're sick. Rich upon it when poor. This is one of the truest tests of being a blessed man. And if you do not enjoy this, God help you to begin at the foundation. Repent of sin. Seek the Savior. Or otherwise, where God is, you can never come. When you delight in the scriptures, listen to this, friend. You approach them joyfully, not drudgingly. When you delight in the scriptures, friend, you get as excited about scripture as you do anything else. Anything else. When was the last time you delighted in scripture like this? Well, how is this delight expressed? That's the question we're going to answer here in the second half of the verse. Number two, the blessed man meditates on Scripture day and night. The blessed man spends his time by meditating in the very law he delights in. It's the person who's in the Word most who loves the Word most. This is the heartbeat of the sermon. So tune in, okay? Notice that the blessed man doesn't merely study or read the law. He meditates in the law. So what does it mean to meditate? What does that word meditate teach us about how we approach the scriptures? Well, when you think of meditation, you might think of Eastern meditation. You might think of a hipster Sitting in a dark room with ambient music playing. With his eyes closed as he 
tries to empty his mind. Scott Pauley said, we're naturally good at that. We don't need to do any more of that. No, that's not meditation. Sitting on a rug and going, hmm, is not, not biblical meditation. It's Eastern meditation, but the proper Eastern meditation that we want to fixate on as Christians, it, it, it literally means this. Meditation in scripture of animals, of animals means this, to coo or growl, to coo or growl. But of humans, that's you, it means this, to mutter, to read in an undertone, to mutter while thinking. To speak or proclaim. This is probably the best definition of meditation I've ever heard. Said by Scott Pauley. Meditation is God's word in your mouth. Meditation is God's word in your mouth. Now, now hear me out, okay? Joshua 1.8, it's going to be on the screen. Joshua 1.8 says this. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night. Notice the progression there. I'm going to read the verse again, and each time I stop, I want you to say the next word. Okay? Can we do that? This book of the law shall not depart out of thy but thou shalt therein day and night. If you have a pen, if you're a Bible marker, take your pen and circle the words mouth and meditation and connect them because they are deeply, deeply connected. Most of us think that meditation starts in the mind or in the heart. It doesn't. It starts in the mouth. Why does meditation start in the mouth? Because what you talk about is what you force yourself to think about. Think of all the faculties that are involved when you speak. Your mind, your ears, and your mouth. So just as what comes out of the mouth comes from the heart is true, the opposite is true. What you talk about is what you're putting into your mind. So... Do you want to know what someone meditates on? Listen to what they talk about. You know the guy that talks about sports all the time. Do you know what's... You think about the man or woman that's talking about what they've heard from Fox News or CNN or anything going on in the political realm. That's all they talk about is politics. Do you know what they think about? Politics. The person that talks about their job all the time. They're always bringing up work. Do you know what they're thinking about all the time? Do you know what they're meditating on all the time? Their job. The person with whatever hobby they have. Do you know what they think about? They meditate on all the time as they talk about it? Their hobby. David connected the two in Psalm 19.14. He said this. Oh, this is so good. Let the words of my mouth 
and the meditation of my heart. Be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. So where is this book of the law not to depart out of? Joshua's mouth. How is he to keep it there? Meditation. Meditation. Talking scripture to himself and talking about the scripture to himself. So let me give you three ways now that you can begin to meditate on scripture. Number one, talk to yourself about the scriptures. Does anyone else in here talk to themselves? That's okay, just as long as you don't respond. But seriously, you're working on a task, you're working on a project, you're trying to think through a problem, what do you do? Oh, good night, where did I, where did I lose them keys? No, they were over here. No, no, they're over here. What are you doing? You're talking to yourself. You're meditating. You're trying to think of where you put your keys, right? So you talk to yourself about the scriptures. How in the world do you do that? Good option is this read the Bible out loud to yourself. I've never been distracted in a movie before. But when I try to silently sit there and read my Bible, it's easy to get distracted. But when you engage your voice as Hebrew meditation literature tells us to read it like, when you engage your voice, you engage in the text. You're meditating on the text. So it might look something like this. I was in my devotions this morning in Matthew 6. This here is literally biblical meditation. You ready? You're going to be like, how in the world have I never thought of this? Watch, this is biblical meditation. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. That's biblical meditation. Quietly, muttering scripture, slowly, methodically to yourself. But is that it? No, 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 no. You can, you can talk to the, the scriptures in another way. Literally talk to the Bible. Ask it questions. Seriously. If you're reading on an iPhone, it might answer. Seriously, ask, ask it questions. I I literally, in my devotions this morning, I'm reading in Matthew 6, lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth. Lay them up in heaven. And I literally asked my Bible this question. How in the world do I do that? I don't have a bank account in heaven that I can deposit into. How in the world do I do that? So I'm I'm asking the scriptures. I'm asking the Holy Spirit. How in the world, how is this possible? How do I, what is it? What in the world do you mean where my treasure is there, my heart is? I talk to the scriptures. And all day long as I'm going through my day, I'm asking this text questions. Why? Because that's meditation. It's the word of God in your mouth. Number two, talk to others about the scriptures. You see, we talk to other people about what we're passionate about. We talk to others about what we are fired up about. One great way to meditate in the scriptures is to talk to others about what you're learning in the scriptures. 
Tell your spouse. Hey, tell your kids. Tell your coworker about what you're learning in the scriptures. As you talk about the scriptures and what you're learning from the scriptures to other people, here's what God's going to do. He's going to give you more understanding. There have literally been times that I've been preaching upstairs and, 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 and the teens can attest to it. I'll stop and I'll say, wow, I understand this better now than I did when I was studying it. Not because I didn't study, but because as I'm talking about the scriptures, I'm learning more about the scriptures. It's meditation. You talk to other people about the scriptures. You tell them what you're learning. You're not a dead end of truth. Maybe that's why God doesn't give us more understanding in the scriptures. Because we're dead ends. We don't share with anybody. Be a tributary of the truth. Number three, talk to God about the scriptures. This isn't third because it's the least important. It's the third because it's the most important. One of the greatest practices you can develop this year is talking to God about what he's talking to you about. There is no better person to meditate with about a book other than the author of that book himself. You want to talk to somebody, you want to talk about the scriptures with somebody, talk to God about it. Here's what you'll find. I believe you'll begin to find true, experiential, I said that word in the Baptist church, that's right. Experiential communion with God when you do that. Why? Because you're going to float on clouds? No, because he speaks to us through his book. He guides the conversation. And when he speaks to us, we talk to him about what he's talking to us about. That is meditation. You see, we've done this thing where we separate Bible reading and prayer. Bible reading and then prayer. Or prayer and then Bible reading. No, 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 no. we got it all wrong. We have it backwards. It's Bible reading and prayer. Combine the two. That's called communion. It's called relationship. It's called a conversation. If I call Pastor Tyler and I say I want to talk about something that's bothering me and then I go on for an hour and never let him get one word in, is that a conversation? No, it's a lecture. I'm afraid we have habitually taught ourselves to lecture God rather than allow God to guide us in a deep and personal conversation with him in the book. We have to stop that approach to our devotional life, friend. We must begin to talk to God about what he's talking to us about. So let's, let's review. Number one, talk to yourself about the scriptures. Number two, talk to others about the scripture. And then number three, talk to God about the scriptures. But before we move on, I want to show you just a few verses on meditation. They'll bless your heart. Psalm nineteen fourteen says this. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Psalm 63, 6 says this. When I remember thee upon my bed and meditate on who? Thee in the night watches. We aren't just to ponder scripture. We're to ponder the person scripture reveals. We see the voice used again in meditation in Psalm 77. Psalm 77, 12 says this, I will meditate also of all thy work and talk of all thy doings. How in the world do we talk about all God's works and all his doings? We can't unless we're in this. Next, we find that we praise God in our meditation. Psalm 104, 34 says this, My meditation of him shall be sweet. 
I will be glad in the Lord. I will be glad in the Lord. Let me tell you, friend, the sweetest times you'll ever have in the Lord will be when you're meditating on his word, his works, and his person. And the last thing here that I want you to notice about meditation is that it's the key the Holy Spirit uses to unlock greater understanding. Psalm 19, 119, says this, I have more understanding than all my teachers. Why is that possible? For thy testimonies, or how is that possible, rather? For thy testimonies are my meditation. I'm sorry, friend, but you don't need a devotional to get understanding, friends. You don't need a commentary, friends. You know what you need? Meditation. Now, those other things are helpful. I used a ton of them in this study. But some of the sweetest moments of understanding I've ever had has just been from me meditating with the Lord. Okay, so how long are we supposed to do this? This is just before breakfast kind of thing. It's before church on Sundays. When do I do this meditation thing, Tanner? Well, the psalmist in Joshua 1.8 says, you are to meditate day and night. This gives us the idea that the, med- that the, the blessed person meditates all day long. The blessed person begins his morning meditating on Scripture. He goes through his day, his entire day, with Scripture in his mouth. He ends his day meditating on Scripture. Every break in the day is an occasion for getting back to talking to himself about what God is talking to him about. One of the best pieces of advice I've ever been giving on meditating day and night is is to write one thing you learn about the Lord from his word every day and think on that one thing all day long. So you know what I've been thinking about all day long? For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. All day long. One verse. Can one verse keep its taste all day long? Absolutely. Absolutely. Hey, listen. If you do this plan... If you do all four chapters or even a paragraph from the gospel, you're not going to remember everything you read. Remember one thing and carry it with you all day long. The psalmist said this, oh, how love I thy law. It is my meditation all the day. No wonder the psalmist could declare his love with integrity. It was his primary occupation. If David, a king over multitudes of people, with endless tasks, and endless people to manage, can meditate all day, I think we can. Lastly, what's the result? There's got to be some results, right? The result of daily meditation is obedience and prosperity. When you find a Christian who delights in and meditates on the word of God all day, here's what you'll find. You'll find what it says in Psalm 1-3. He'll be like a tree planted by rivers of water. 
that brings forth his fruit in his season, his leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Here are several things, three really, you'll find in the person who delights in and meditates on God's word. Number one, you'll find a vibrant life. You'll find a vibrant life. You ever been to a a hilly area or area with lots of trees? We were in Arkansas for Thanksgiving and we were right on a lake. And the closer you got to that lake, we're in the middle of uh, November here. The trees were still strong. The leaves were still green. But the further you get away from that lake, the trees become more gray and there are no more leaves and there is decay in those trees. Why? Because the trees that are close to the lake are planted by life. Life. If you want to be like a tree who in December still has green leaves, you're healthy, you're vibrant, you have to be planted by this source of life through meditation, day and night. The second thing you'll find is fruit. Mercy, we need more fruit-bearing Christians. Meditating Christians are fruit-bearing Christians. What are the fruits of the Spirit? They are uh, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. So what does that mean to the person that meditates? It means this. The blessed man, as a result of being a daily meditator of Scripture, produces thanksgiving in seasons of plenty. Faith in seasons of doubt. Patience in suffering, peace in turmoil, mercy when wronged, gentleness when falsely accused, strength in temptation, humility in leadership, in prayer, in all seasons. That's what the meditation, the person who meditates produces. They produce fruit and their leaves don't wither and then they are prosperous. They're prosperous. That doesn't mean you're going to get everything you want, Christian. This is no prosperity proof text here. That means what meditation will do for you is it'll set you up to succeed in all the things that God has called you to do. How, how do you know that? Well, again, Joshua 1.8. Don't let the law depart out of your mouth. Keep it in your mouth by meditating day and night. It's never to leave. You're never to stop talking about it. You're never to stop talking to yourself about Scripture. Day and night. That's what you do, Christian. It's who you are. Why? Why do you do it? That thou mayest observe to do According to all that is written therein, you meditate to be obedient. And when you're obedient, it says this, then thou shalt make thy way prosperous and then you'll have good success. Meditation leads to obedience. Obedience leads to prosperity. Several quotes and we're done. Are you with me? Several quotes and we're done. All from Spurgeon. He is the man on this topic. Most preachers back then understood this really, really well. And Spurgeon understood the best in my opinion. He said, I often find it very profitable to get a sweet text as a sweet morsel under my tongue in the morning. And keep the flavor of it, if I can, in my mouth all day. Juicy fruit is the best and worst gum in the world. It tastes so good, but it doesn't last long at all. Getting a good text of scripture under your tongue is like getting an everlasting piece of juicy fruit in your mouth. All day long, you chew on it, and you chew on it, and you chew on it, 
and you chew on it. Spurgeon said this, It's an admirable plan to fix your thoughts upon some text of Scripture before you leave your bedroom in the morning. It will sweeten your meditation all the day. The inward meditation of God's Word is the thing that makes the soul rich towards God. This is the godly man's occupation. Put the spice into the mortar by reading and beat it with the pestle of meditation. And so shall the sweet perfume be excelled. Then he said this, read the Bible carefully and then meditate and meditate and meditate. So we must, by meditation, tread the clusters of truth if we would get the wine of consolation from there. You want all the sweetness this book has to offer you? Meditate. Talk to yourself about the scriptures. Talk to others about the scriptures. And talk to God about the scriptures. And we're done here. It's January 1st, 2023. Your alarm goes off. It's 7 a.m. You have a little more time than usual to get ready for church. Then most Sundays, no connection group. So why in the world wake up at 6 You make yourself a cup of tea or a cup of coffee. You find your spot for worship. The chair, the couch, the table. With your Bible open on your lap, you pray, Lord, open my eyes this morning. Incline my heart to your truth this morning. Satisfy me in your word this morning, Lord. And then you begin to read meditatively. You start in Matthew 1. You might come to Matthew 1, where it says, She shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. And so you start talking to God about what he's talking to you about. You're thinking about how God came to save you from your sins. So you just pray, Father, thank you so much for sending Jesus to die for my sins. Oh, Father, I've got a lost co-worker. Would you save them from their sins? You, you talk to that text. You, you read that text out loud. You, you think about that text. And you pray for others based on that text. And then you move on to Acts 1.8. Where it says, you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you'll be witnesses. And so you start asking that question text. What does it mean to be a witness? Who do I witness to? What is my Jerusalem? What is my Judea? What is my Samaria? And after you meditate and linger over that text for a while, you might start talking to God and say, Oh God, make me a witness. Help me to be a witness to my neighbor if I see him out today. God, I pray that you would give me a divine appointment with my neighbor today to be a witness. And then you move to the third section, the Psalms. And you read, But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate day and night. And you start thinking about what we talked about tonight. You start asking that, quest, that text questions. And then you pray, oh, Father, help me to be a person of meditation in 2023. Oh, God, make my spouse a person of meditation in 2023. You're talking to God about what he's talking to you about. And you would do the same in Genesis. And then you finish. You finish and you finish your Bible time, you finish your prayer time. You write down one thing God taught you that day. You write down one verse to meditate on. 
You write down one truth. You can, you're not going to remember all of Matthew 1, 1 through 17. You're not going to remember all of Acts 1, 1 through 11. You're not going to remember all of Psalm 1. You're not going to remember all of Genesis 1 and 2. But you, Christian, can pick one thing that day. One thing. And you're going to talk about it. And you're going to think about it. And you're going to mule it over in your mouth and in your mind and in your heart all day long. And you're going to use that as constant communion with your God all day long. What about January 2nd? Show up. Do it again. Thanks, Johnny. Welcome back from the dead. Seriously, what about the next day? What about January 2nd? You do it again. Oh, what? You're, 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 you're a good Christian. You finished all 25. That's the blessed thing about this plan. There's only 25 readings a month. You have five days of catch-up every month. So what about January 26th? I've, I've meditated day and night. I've read my texts. I've meditated day and night for January 1 to 25. What do I do on 26th? You go back and you find something that was special to you in the rest of the month. And you meditate in it. Day and night. What if I'm only doing one of the lists? Meditate in it. Day and night. This is my burden. This is our burden. That we would be a people steeped in the scriptures. And that will only be a reality to you. If you give yourself over to delighting in and meditating on God's word. Would you pray with me?